Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Tuesday. Wink. You can mm-hmm. get uh, sure is some mozzarella cheese sticks <laughs> today at Roosters for three dollars. I don't know why that's on my mind, but um, that's certainly true. That's Bill Landis, and I'm Austin Ward, and we promised a more complete conversation of portal season once the window closed, which it did on Sunday night. Uh, yeah, uh, less less active. In terms of outgoing players, I was like far less active than I thought it would be, um, but good. I think in terms of, of what Ohio State has, has brought in, um, most of that being on the offensive line. But I like the Lorenzo Styles addition as well, as we discussed on on Monday's episode. But I think the biggest surprise is just how many guys didn't leave. Um, when it, you know, you could probably convince yourself that close to double digits could have if they wanted to. Yeah, I, I've I've mentioned this before, and I'm I'm just an observer of it. But Ryan Day has also gone into a lot more depth and detail about it. He did that specifically during the December window and on signing day when you're trying to do the math and count up the number of players that Ohio State can sign out of high school, the number of guys that they can bring in in the portal. It's really difficult for Ohio State because they've done a really good job of making it hard for players to want to leave. So we could look, and you said. Maybe the number could have been double. There are some players on Ohio State's roster who you, it's hard to project ever making a real impact for them moving forward. And in the past, say, well, they've got to move somewhere. If they want to play, they're going to have to go down. And that's ignoring the benefits that Ohio State provides beyond just the obvious, which I know people scoff at. And Ohio State degree means quite a lot. And to a lot of these guys, that's not something that they're going to leave without. We've seen more grad transfers from Ohio State potentially that are in that situation than guys that are leaving without that diploma. That's important to them. That's one. I've mentioned this on the board at OhioState.Rivals.com in terms of uh, academic bonuses that are offered. Not every school in the country offers that. I think uh, when it started uh, in the last couple of years, Ohio State was in one of only about 20 programs that were offering these uh, stipends. They're not even really stipends. They're just money that you can that Ohio State is allowed to give. It's about $12,000 a year. You can laugh at that, but other schools aren't providing that. You have that opportunity as well. You have much more uh, exposure and name, image, and likeness situations. So the point is, all that stuff is a reason why good players are staying at Ohio State, but also why the entire roster doesn't want to leave. And so Ryan Day was making that point. You look at, should, should they be more active? Should they be trying to get you know, anybody who's in the portal and exploring all these options? It's hard to do that because you have to have a spot in return. I, it's a delicate situation, right? Because I, I, I think I would understand the people who really embrace that, and, and there's a lot to to um, to, embr- to embrace there. Like, and like programs need backups, right? Not not every player of the of the eighty five is starter caliber, and like you need guys to practice. Like those guys still have value to the program, and if you're not consumed with, I need to be a starter. I need to be a starter. Well, then you just do your job and you be a backup in your depth and like you help the program in the way you can help the program and you, and you reap the benefits of that in whatever way you do. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there are other Ohio State fans who might look at um, programs, particularly in the SEC, who are more aggressive about turning over their roster when they feel like they need to. And Ohio State just doesn't really do that. Um, they have honest conversations with guys like, here's, here's where you are, here's where we think you'll be, do with that information with what you will. But I don't, like, they're not running guys off. Um, it's just not what Ryan Day does, and I would listen to an argument that, that maybe they should do that more. Um, I don't know that I personally agree with it because at the end of the day, we are still talking about college athletes and, and amateurs still, like less so, I guess, but but still still amateur athletics. Like 
I don't I don't love that when that happens. Um, but the result is maybe sometimes you end up with not as many spots as you would like to have to chase transfers, or you end up with a smaller transfer class incoming that, that you might like uh, otherwise. But I don't know. I think I'd rather be on the side of it that Ohio State is on. Um, but that's just a matter of personal preference. I don't know. If you're, if you're on the opposite side of that, I won't begrudge you. So we've been asked about a million times what the current scholarship number is for Ohio State. And as Berm alluded to on Monday, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah, they'll get there. Uh, they'll get there by August, which is when they have to. Um, as they sit, as with Bill and I in here right now, they are over 85. Uh, and I'm, I've mentioned this before. The way that they were going to get there was not purely through the transfer portal. Four players left by the deadline on Sunday. Uh, Caleb Brown, Caleb Burton, Ben Chrisman, and Jake Seibert. To get to the next level, that is likely going to be medical hardships for Ohio State. But they are at this point where they could still conceivably add if they want to. That is our understanding of the situation. So if they are continuing to talk to someone in the portal, they're not doing so. Just hoping that it'll work out down the road. Yeah, they don't. They're not in the business of wasting their own time. I, I don't think so. Um, I guess as long as they think they're okay and they're going to figure it out, then then I I won't be concerned with it. I don't really think fans should be. It is odd. Like I, I don't. We talk about it like every year and every year it works itself out. This is like kind of the weirdest it's been, but they're the ones that know the real deal and, and are, are managing that that scholarship table. So um, they'll be fine when they need to be fine. And there's ways to probably to work around that there's stuff I, I don't know like there could be i guess graduate transfers perhaps who decide they don't want to do something after they actually graduate um there's some guys on the roster that have dealt with like long-term injuries maybe there's some medical stuff that might pop up mm-hmm. that could get them to the number two but i think the, the big thing is like they'll get there when they need to get there <laughs> don't worry about it uh with that foursome that did decide to leave did any of them register as uh, a surprise or particularly noteworthy to you um I think you could look at the second-year receivers. I think we would have said this when Caleb Burton first went in. Like, it makes sense. Like, that's a position. If you were to rank the positions where you'd look, I think you'd have that one up pretty high of where they could lose somebody. Um, I was excited, like, to see what Caleb Brown could do. I thought he could help them as a special teamer, if, if nothing else. Um, but he also seemed like he was kind of starting to make a move. And if you looked at the depth chart, like, well, if you are, then what's really out there for you in terms of playing time this year. So that's ultimately not, ultimately not terribly surprising. Um, ben Chrisman is probably the one that I wasn't expecting. I, I, there were other offensive linemen, frankly, that I, that I thought would leave aside from him. I thought that Ben still had a, a path in front of him to contend for a starting job as an interior offensive lineman at some point. And I think that is a little bit of a blow to a group that doesn't have tremendous depth right now, especially on the interior. So, I don't look at any one of the of the four outgoing and like, oh, that really that's that's to Ohio State's detriment. But if I, I guess if I had to pick one that I thought might hurt them the most, probably Ben Christman, just from a depth perspective. Uh, sir, we talked uh, already about Lorenzo Styles Jr. And, and how that fits, how that might work. Uh, from what you've seen, read, evaluated, heard uh, about picking up Josh Simmons from San Diego State, what, what do you what do you make of that move? He was. I'm, he was the best offensive lineman available, I think, or at least offensive tackle. The kid from Wyoming, um, whose name is escaping me, Emmanuel something, uh, went to USC. Uh, he was pretty intriguing, but I don't know if he was a tackle. Um, he might be more of an interior interior guy. I think he's going to play guard at USC. He played guard at Wyoming last year. Like Looking at the options, he was the guy that I liked the most, but I don't know if he suited Ohio State's needs the best. Um, I think Josh Simmons did, and he's not, you know, he's like an all-conference player. He's 
Um, not like a former five-star prospect. Like he was a good recruit. He was a high four-star prospect that Justin Fry seemingly really liked when he was coming out of high school and just didn't get him. There was like weird stuff with his recruitment going on at the time, like as was with everybody in that class of 2021. <laughs> um, so he ended up staying close to home and playing at San Diego State. And like you can look at PFF numbers, right? And and you can use that to tell yourself, oh, this guy's not very good. I, I, don't, I think offensive line stuff with PFF is, is pretty hard to contextualize. Um, if you watch him, you, I think, would think you'd come away liking quite a bit about him. He's he's long, he's athletic, he moves his feet really well. He had a lot of penalties last year, which is, is an easier thing to quantify and probably something people get worried about. But I think of the 16, if I have this right, of the 16 penalties called against him, which is a lot, uh, led his team was double Ohio State's uh, penalty leader last year. Uh, 11 of them were false starts. So that says to me, like, he was a redshirt freshman who was probably trying to get out of the box a little too fast. Um not that he is like an inherently sloppy player and is like holding people all the time or taking like extracurricular penalties. So like, I think it, I think it can be fixed. And um, I think if you look at it from the perspective of like, if Ohio state would have recruited him out of high school as a high four-star prospect from the West coast in the class of 2021, and now two years into into his career, he was aligned to be a starting tackle at Ohio state. I think you'd feel pretty good about that. So I think you should feel pretty good about the fact that he's doing that now with a year of starts under his belt and another program. So, um, you know, he's not like a – I think long-term he's got a, a reasonably high ceiling and like an NFL guy down the road. I get he's maybe not the splashiest addition that Ohio State could have had or that people wanted, but I think he's a solid player with a pretty high ceiling. I think that's a conversation that, you know, we had even before the portal opened. We're going through spring camp and talking about what's the situation at right tackle, how desperate is it. Well, they're going to be evaluating and they're going to try and make a move, but there's no – certainty whatsoever about what's going to be there and I would say that Josh Simmons probably represents about the best case scenario because you're not going to have an established power five starter magically materialized now that actually did happen like you know the guy from Purdue I didn't think he was very good yeah just my opinion he didn't get a lot of acclaim around the rest of the league from the coaches or the media that watch him he started a lot of games Mm. but those that's the situation that we're talking about. Like, could you have convinced yourself that a starter at Purdue uh, could slide over and, and help Ohio State? Maybe you could have, but th- that's the pro- long-term projection is probably much higher for Josh Simmons. Yeah, and, and if he fulfills that, then you really hit on something. But you're, you aren't going to have like an NFL free agent class. I don't mean <laughs> to belabor the point, but like you, you don't just get to go out there and like you can make payments. And like Dion's probably going to try and do that for Colorado to. And maybe entice people in to leave because they're not under contracts, but you don't just get the entire blanket. Everyone in the country is available to you. Go pick who you want. That's not the way it was going to work. It would be nice if it did. Um, and and you know, if I I guess like you could say like Ohio State has enough cachet that they should be able to like throw it around and 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 will that to happen? I, I guess you can try, but it doesn't it doesn't guarantee anything. Um, I, is this a is this a uh, tampering condoning show? I do at this point. I think you have to condone it, even if you don't. <laughs> if you don't like it, it's like it's the way the business is sure, done now. Yeah. Um, I like when he when when Josh committed. There was people on the board at OhioStateRivals.com like, oh, we need another one, and like that's where I could see like that Purdue guy coming in. If you if you want to say like, I don't see this Purdue guy as like perhaps a starter at Ohio State, but they just need offensive linemen. Period. Go get them. Like sure, like I agree with that. If you can get them, but why would that guy come here? leave his starting job where he's played 2,000 snaps at Purdue to come like be a backup at Ohio State. I just don't think that's realistic. And, right. and 
we lose sight of that sometimes. Like Ohio State's awesome. Um, I don't think it's it's in the business of routinely convincing starters to come be backups when they can go be starters in a lot of other places. So um, I think we that we have to be a little more realistic with that. But I think when you look at the at the how the portal should be used at a place like Ohio State, like Josh Simmons is like exactly it. Like starter at a group of five like program that's right on the cusp, I think, of being similarly talented to like a, a power, a good power five program or middle, middle of the road power five program, mm-hmm. um, looking for an opportunity to, to better himself and probably better his draft stock, go against better competition. And he has multiple years of eligibility left. He has, he has three years left, which is, um, I think, pretty hard to find a guy who has that much eligibility but also has experience. Um, so I like that about him too. And, and we'll see, like uh, Justin Fry's a good offensive line coach, so I think we'll get the best out of him. So, and as a reminder and a refresher for the way it works, Players that are hoping to be eligible for this season had to declare their intentions and enter the portal on Sunday. So that part of roster management is closed. There's no, and you know, there are perhaps some other options if you want to just move on or graduate transfer. That's a little bit different, I think. Um, but you know, in terms of Ohio State losing guys, uh, underclassmen uh, that want to play somewhere else, that's not going to happen anymore. So they also now know who's potentially available to them. And as we said with the scholarship numbers, they, there is still a possibility to add, if they want, Taiwan Malone, the defensive tackle from Ole Miss. Uh, had a visit over the weekend. He's an option. I don't know that beyond that how active Ohio State would be. I don't know that, that they need to be. Um, I think they, they address their one glaring need, and I think anything else is like a luxury. And, like, listen, if you get Taiwan Malone, by all means get him. I don't think you can have too many impact defensive linemen. Um, I, as I said before, like I feel better about tackle. I think I think you do too, but – um, if there's room for him, bring him in. Um, I like the Lorenzo edition, and Josh Simmons was was a major need. I think that's all great, and also too, like I'm if I'm an Ohio State fan, like there were guys, there were younger players in this program that I myself was like not not worried, but like hopeful that they would stick it through this year because I could see a pretty bright future for them here. Like I'm thinking of guys like Kai Stokes, right, or uh, I don't know. Um, not C.J. Hicks because he's a local guy, but but like Jair Brown, Jair Brown, like those kind of yeah, and the secondary in particular, like guys that maybe it doesn't happen for them this year, and if they thought that themselves and wanted to leave, I think that would make sense, and they stayed. So like those are wins. We don't consider those wins, but I think we should consider those wins. Yeah. Um, in this era where there's just like like free roster movement. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Do you feel like your grasp of the whole roster management picker picture is like better now like has the ncaa done a good enough job clarifying the way that this works or like the way that they've handled the portal windows do you do you think that's helped or not i like the idea of portal windows i question the timing of the spring one now like it opened when half the country was still in the middle of spring ball and then like those guys have a have a week to figure out what they're doing like yeah wyoming just finished on saturday yeah there were i i I think that this, and maybe college coaches might disagree. I feel like this window should be maybe starting now, like the beginning of May, then start in the middle of spring ball, like the day of Ohio State spring game. The portal opens. That's that's weird to me, but I I like that you. It's not just oh yeah, transfer whenever you want. Like that would be more chaotic than it is now, and it's already pretty chaotic. So I I think the structure is well intentioned. It should be kind of reassessed a little bit in terms of, of the timing of things, but I do, I think it made it a little better than it was before. That's the strangest part is that it was originally supposed to open today, and then they decided... When, I don't even know when that changed. It was like three I looked, before. It was like, yeah. oh, was it the portals open next week? Cool. Yeah, I looked, because 
I had been talking about it. Like, well, the next window is is the May window is what I was calling it. Like, mm-hmm. That's when they'll make their moves because that's when it was scheduled originally by the NCA Oversight Rules Committee and all that stuff in May 1st through May 15th. And I was like, somebody, you know, pointed out, uh, they actually voted in like September or October. They're going to move it up to April 15th. Like, I never saw that. <laughs> I don't know if many of the coaches did. I wasn't just calling it the May portal season out of my own. Like, a lot of people were referring to it that way. Um, I, they moved it in the middle of last season. And like, so it had been five or six months that they had set that this new date. And you look at the way you, teams had set up their spring camps like especially in the mountain west or colder areas like wisconsin like you have to start later if you want to be able to get work outside and now those things are all colliding at once and i mean lorenzo styles entered the portal with like three days before their spring yeah. game <laughs> at notre dame like what is happening that part is bizarre it's really weird i was in hindsight like i wish we would have gotten to watch him play corner in notre dame spring game but Heck like, yeah he didn't really have a choice like if he, if he waited until notre dame spring game he would have i guess with him it's different right because there was a pretty straight line to ohio state but let's assume for a second he wasn't lorenzo styles son and sonny styles brother like he had to do that to help him to give himself the best chance but the the result of that is like we have no idea what he looks like as a defensive back in college because he didn't get the opportunity to do that in the spring game. Yeah, we would have had some clips that we could have broke down yeah, on right. IQ and had right. a little bit of fun projecting that future for Lorenzo Styles Jr. But he did pick Ohio State. He committed over the weekend. That was followed by Josh Simmons. Uh, still some work potentially going on for Ohio State, but it seems like at this point now you can take a little bit of a deep breath if you're Ryan Day and that coaching staff, and we can start looking at what this actual roster looks like. It's pretty good. Uh, and uh, I, I think we'll talk about this maybe later on. And I know you guys talked about it a little bit on the Rooster Show. It's a really good roster, and like half of it's going to go to the NFL next year. <laughs> Bill's got that story up at OhioState.Rivals.com right now. Uh, and we will also, uh, that's a great teaser for uh, the next episode of the Podcast Daily. We'll dive into that and some of the potential for these Buckeyes uh, returning as we marry everything that's involved with um, roster management. Just the most exciting part of the offseason. I really enjoy roster building as a fan of teams. Covering it sucks. Yeah. And then you've got Berm's favorite activity, which is June, and the recruiting calendar heating up then. But we'll not get too ahead of that part at this uh, juncture. Uh, Anyway, thanks for joining us on the podcast daily for Tuesday. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for spending part of it with us. That's Bill. I'm Austin. Talk to you later.